Psalm 60. We only have about another 110 more to go. Although there isn't that many here. But Anyway, we've been dealing with a man David through much of these psalms. We've been dealing with a man David, though David's not the only one who has written any of the psalms. And uh, there's a few in there from Moses and Asaph and a few other individuals along the way. But a vast majority, because David ruled a long time. And what a vast number of lessons we can learn and glean from David's life. It really is a smart individual who learns in, from other people's mistakes as well as learns from the good choices they make. Because not all, you know, even, even David, you know, he didn't always make bad choices, bad decisions. Uh, although we are dealing with a psalm here where he made a bad decision. Uh, if you go back to Psalm 51, he made a really bad decision there and that involved the, the adulterous affair with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah, her husband. But tonight, as we look at the danger of presumption, part two, we see here that uh, I believe that preachers and missionaries and evangelists and, and uh, other members of the body of Christ, we do things presumptuously with the assumption that because we're doing it for God, that God's going to be in it. So we don't really take the time to pray or to at least bathe it in prayer and wait and get the leadership of God. And so that is basically what we're dealing with here in Psalm 60, rather. But at the same time, uh, how do we handle it when we, when we make these presumptuous uh, decisions and these presumptuous choices? Uh, what, what, what are we supposed to take away from it? Because at some particular point, God's going to say, where are you? I am here. You've gotten ahead of me. And that's what we had used as a kind of a subtitle, too big for your britches. I haven't gotten ahead of God uh, along the way here. So God has a number of, of powerful examples in the scriptures of which, whether positive or negative, we learn what works and what doesn't work in our lives as the children of the Lord. Now, the unsaved are at liberty to do whatever they want to do. Now, you are, as, as, as well as any other believer, including myself, at liberty to do what we want. But because we have a different father, we will be chastened <laughs> when we do those things which are contrary to what God would have us to do. And he's going to bless us when we do the things th that uh, he would have us to do according to his will. And so David, a man after God's heart, 1 Samuel 13, 14 declares as he uh, told Samuel that uh, he had, God had said, I have chosen a man who is after my own heart, meaning David. And he has provided a lifetime of examples of lessons from which we can learn a great deal from this man, David. And in Psalm 60, we can learn the perils of getting ahead of God or presuming, if you will, that because we're doing it for God, that God's leading in it. Now, God can still take and turn it around. But for the most part, if we're determined to go out on the limb, he will let us go out on the limb. And when we finally get out on the end of the limb and we realize that, whoa, wait a minute, things aren't going quite as I had anticipated, then we have to go back to the trunk where God is, that is at the beginning of that branch. Now, presuming is doing something although we do not have the right or have been given the right to do so. 
taking it upon ourselves to do something here. Um, it was uh, Dr. Wallace shared a story in the preacher's class one time, and he presumed that this would be a good thing. And what he did was there was a there was an el well to me at that time he would have been elderly. He was probably in his fifties or so. But he never, the guy never finished high school. But he was always faithful to church and all the services. And he was always there for projects, one thing or another that was going on. And so Dr. Wallace thought that this would be a wonderful thing was to give him an honorary diploma. And Dr. Wallace presumed that that would be a good thing. Well, it backfired. The guy was so embarrassed that he had never ever came back to church. Never. So there are things in life that we need to bathe before the Lord and really get the mind of the Lord and, and uh, get some counsel along the way, regardless of whether you've been saved for many years or just a few years. So presuming is doing something, although we do not have the right or haven't been given the right to do so, or believing something to be true, although you do not know for sure, because you don't have all the facts in place, you just automatically presume or assume. So in this psalm, David is recounting a decision that he made in leading his forces into the northern area of Mesopotamia, which would have been to capture the land that God had initially promised to Abraham to begin with. <clears throat> Excuse me. And of course, in the meantime, while he's got many of his forces to the north, he gets word that, hey, you know what, the Edomites are attacking from the south. So now David has to take some of his soldiers and he has to send them back down here to help defend the southern, the southern borders of, of Israel. And it kind of reminds you in the book of Matthew of what, what can go off the war without making sure that he has sufficiency to win the war. Lest happily he find himself in the middle of the war and realize that he doesn't have enough resources to be able to, uh, to win the battle, to win the, win the war. And so I, I believe that presumption will put us in a position where we haven't really got all of our ducks in a row. We're just moving ahead and trusting that because this is for God, that God's going to be in it. God's going to empower us. God's going to do those things there. Well, there is, we said last week, there's a difference between doing things for God and doing things with God. As a children of God, we need to do things with God. God's leadership, God's direction, God's truth, God's principles, and God's precepts along the way. So it would appear that David didn't seek God's leadership on this and uh, has presumed that because of the many uh, prior successes, as you, if you were to go back to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 8, read through there, and you'll find that there's a whole litany of, of victories that David had had with his forces there. And so it was, I guess, it was just natural for him or natural for any human being to presume that that means that God's going to, you, you know, he was doing this for God because of what God had promised to Abraham. Well, listen, uh, Israel's not going to get all the land that God had promised them until the millennium anyway. But when you get ahead of God, you get out on a limb, and you get too big for your britches, uh, you make some poor choices along the way. Although you're convinced that somehow it's, it's, it's the right thing to do because it's for God. And so he assumed that God would simply put his stamp of approval on David and his forces as they went up against uh, northern Mesopotamia. And so last Wednesday we looked, the, we looked at the first danger in presuming, especially when it comes to presuming for God, rather than allowing God to lead us. So the first point was God is sometimes forced to turn against a good person. David was a good man. 
He had made his mistakes. You and I have made our share of mistakes as Christians. We've made some poor decisions. We've made some poor choices along the way. We've made many good choices. We've made many, many good decisions along the way. But that doesn't mean if our good choices and our good decisions outweigh the bad that we can just keep on going and making these choices and decisions because somehow we are a seasoned veteran in those things. And the truth of the matter is every day is a new day with God. Amen? Every day is a new day in this world and we're going to be faced with challenges that maybe, yes, we faced in the past. Maybe some new challenges today. And so we have to be careful and make sure that how we face those things, we face those things with the kind of leadership that God's in the forefront, not you and me. Come on, God, catch up, you know, kind of a thing. No, it's the idea God says, hey, yo, you need to be up front here with me uh, and to be moving along. So God is sometimes faced to turn against a good person, which in a nutshell is the idea of or act of presuming to obligate God to do something because we believe that we have the moral high ground or the moral actions to do so along the way. Well, tonight, as we look at the second point, which is simply God knows how to get our attention. Amen? Maybe you've been in a position where you had to learn that God knows how to get our attention if we're not paying attention and or if we're heading in the wrong direction that God, you know, sometimes God sends counselors with a very soft-spoken voice to encourage you to make good decisions, to make good choices, or perhaps maybe this isn't the right thing for you to do. And uh, so... Uh, when we decide we're going to strike out ahead of God, we put ourselves in between a rock and a hard place. It says, anyway, Psalm uh, 60, verses 1 and 2 tonight. It said, O God, thou hast cast us off. Thou hast scattered us. Thou hast been displeased. O turn thyself to us again. Thou hast made the earth to tremble. Thou hast broken it. Heal the breaches thereof, for it shaketh. Now, yes, God can literally shake planet earth. Well, what about that little world that you live in? God can shake up your world, amen? And he knows how to shake it and when to shake it. And so just about the time that we think we've got a handle on something in our lives and we get ahead of God, we find that God can turn our world upside down in short order. We go to sleep at nighttime and wake up to a, maybe a, 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 a glitch in our little world or something in our world, in our little sphere of living, and the friends, the neighbors, the jobs, and whatever else in our, uh, in, in our lives. But at least at this point, David has recognized that God has become displeased with him. And he also knows that things are spiraling, spiraling out of control for him. A lot of times when things are spiraling out of control, it's because we have been controlling things from our own thought processes, from our own reasoning, rather than getting down and saying, Lord, this is an issue. I'm facing this. I'm facing that. Lord, what would you have me to do? How would you have me to handle this? But David's finding that, hey, listen, the Edomites are coming from the south. Uh, his troops, he had to take some of his troops from the north. He probably needed everyone that he had up in the north. Now he's got to go down and protect the Edomite, uh, the, uh, the southern front from the Edomites. And so now all of a sudden his troops are, are spread thin. Now he's got to send resources to the north. He's got to send resources to the south. And uh, I guess maybe David thought this was going to be a, a slam dunk uh, deal somewhere along the line that, listen, uh, this is what God had promised Abraham. We're going to claim it. We're going to do it there. So, I mean, hey, listen, God's got to be in it. Well... No, God's not in everything that we choose to do, especially when we don't pray. Especially when we don't put it before his throne of grace and say, Lord, would you have me to do this or would you have me not to do this? 
And so it would be whether we take a job or whether we move or whether we, whatever it is that we do. Uh, we have to bathe these things before the Lord to really get the mind of the Lord. Uh, and uh, I think I shared about the uh, missionary from, uh, I think his last name was Smith, David Smith, I think was his name, from Maine. And he thought he was supposed to be, a, well, he'd been a pastor for over 12 years, thought he should be a missionary because he just had such a passion for missions. He had such a passion for missionaries. And, and he just felt like, I want to be a missionary. And so uh, he told his church, he said, I'm resigning and I'm going to the mission field. And he went on deputation. And he, in record time, he had all the money he needed to go down into South America. Six months later, he said, uh-oh. God wasn't in this. He had mistaken his passion for missions as God's call for him to be a missionary when God had already given him a pastor. And what did he do? He came back off the mission field and he took on a church to do what he was called to do in the first place. So be very careful about choices and decisions that we make and make sure that we have weighed them before the Lord and we, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is in this. And God will give us little little signals. God sends us red flags when things aren't going to be going too well, but he also sends us uh, uh, wonderful affirmations when things are going well. Amen? That's, that's the way our God is. And so he has his battle to the north of, Mes in the north of Mesopotamia, and the Edomites have become a threat. Uh, his army is now stretched thin, and the future of Israel is, is in jeopardy at this particular point. And so David knows that he has provoked God and is witnessing what happens when we, get to, when we go to battle without the Lord on our side. Now, every day we fight some kind of a battle, whether it's... Uh, Getting up, getting out of bed first thing in the morning. Uh, sometimes it's a battle just to have a devotional time, isn't it? If you get children and kids around the house, it's a battle. Because the devil's going to do everything he can to disrupt your schedule so that you don't have your time alone with the Lord. The Bible reading schedule your prayer time. Uh, it's amazing how many things that, that the devil can contrive to uh, upset our apple cart on a particular day. And so... Uh, we, we, we can make choices, we make decisions, but at the same time, we can also provoke God uh, in certain areas and certain choices and certain decisions because we just didn't take the time to talk with the Lord about it, to put it before the Lord. Now, folks, as redeemed of the Lord, when we begin to presume whatever we think or do, that the Lord is somehow going to follow along and be our backup in case things don't go well along the way. And that's a sad state of affairs for any Christian who assumes that God's going to be my backup. If he's not our co-pilot, why would he be our backup? He is our pilot. He is the one who, he's in control of our lives. He is giving us the direction that we're supposed to be going in, whether we should or whether we should not. Now, we don't have, uh, trying to think what it is, thumbing, and what's the other one? The two... You're, you're, yeah, those two things. <laughs> anyway, that we can put inside and, and, and one is positive, one's negative, one is a yes, one is a no. We don't have that. Uh, but we do have prayer. We do have the word of God. And sometimes we have the counsel of God uh, if we seek the counsel of God in those areas. And sometimes we just have to be patient and wait, uh, wait on the Lord until the Lord gives us the green light uh, to move forward. And so... Um, we lose the blessings of the Lord when we presume and get ahead of God or too big for our britches thinking that we can do this, that we don't need to be bothering God. Now, that may be the idea that we're bothering. No, we're not bothering God, but we have that like this as a little child. I can do this. I can handle this. I can do this. Well, the truth, Mary, is why would you not want God to go along with you? 
Why would you not want God to go before you? Because he knows some things about what's going on before you than, than, than what you do. David may have assumed that, hey, listen, God's with us. We're, we're God's soldiers. We're God's people. We're going to go up there and we're going to have a great victory. We're going to recapture. We're going to take all that land that God has promised to Abraham and we're going to bring it under the, uh, under the leadership of, of the nation of Israel. Well, things weren't going so well for David. He began to realize, hmm, maybe we should have spent some more time in prayer and, and letting the Lord lead us. So we can lose the blessings of the Lord, such as, uh, in order, and these are the ideas that he wants to get our attention. Now, don't assume that because someone, uh, someone is having a health issue that they're not getting the blessings of the Lord uh, because there are flus and viruses that we do get. But there are some serious health issues that we could incur if we continue and persist to get ahead of God. And God wants to get our attention. But also... Uh, our entire world can be turned, or I'm going to get ahead of myself here. Uh, our prosperity can take a downturn. Uh, a loved one, or even, a, or even a, the loss of a sound mind, because we're just, listen, God is the most sound leader we'll ever have in our lives. And he has given us the Holy Spirit of God. He's given us to the Word of God. And these are meant to guide us and to direct us to make the kind of decisions that God uh, wants us to make along the way. And believe it or not, you can praise the Lord, I need some help. And you may not have to get counsel from anybody, but say, Lord, help me to find a passage in Scripture. Lead me into a passage in my daily devotions today that will lead me to know the right decision that I need to make. And God can give you counsel through His Word. Uh, but if God doesn't really give you peace, now anxiety is not the same thing as not having peace because sometimes our anxieties can manifest itself there because maybe this is something that is big in our lives and we've got to make this choice and we're just not sure about it. But once we get to that particular point, there is a peace that passes understanding when you make a decision. But if you make the decision and the peace isn't there, then it's an only time. <laughs> what have I done? What have I got myself into? And I, I can relate to that because when I was getting ready to quit my jobs and move the family to, uh, to Kentucky for Bible college, uh, you know, you had those anxieties. I knew I was, this is what God wanted. There was no doubt in my mind. I knew this is what God wanted me to do. I was, I was, I, but I was manhandling it. I was. Because initially I said, I'm going to go to Tennessee Temple and I'm going to go to school so I can either be a youth director or I can become a teacher in a Christian school. And God said, yeah, good, good go with that, buddy. It's not going it's not, not to fly. And so God shut all the doors down there in, in uh, Chattanooga. And I found myself in uh, Valley Station, Kentucky, enrolled in Beth Haven College. That's where I went to school. And all throughout the four years, that, well, two years and nine months, we did four years and two years and nine months, uh, when you get through all the way through there, you begin to realize that the only thing God is giving to you is a pastor. That's where he wanted me. He said, that's what you're going to do. So forget about the other stuff along the way. But even coming here, there's a certain amount of intrepidation to come here. But I weighed all the evidence and I said, God, you've got to be in this because it's the only way this is going to work out. You've got to be in this. And God manifested his presence. He was in the decision. He was in the choice. But he met several what I would have considered impossible obstacles in order to be able to get, get here to Essex Junction. And so God manifested his, you know, and we're talking about within a week or so, we knew that, yeah, this is where God wanted us to be. Even though it still looked pretty bleak on the outside, we said this is where God wants us. Somehow he's going to provide. We have no idea how, but we're just going to trust God for that area there and uh, so on. So, uh, there, so there were those times when, 
when I believe anxieties are natural, but we need to cast aside those, those anxi anxieties and say, Lord, Lord I, I need, and I'm not going back to uh, Gideon and uh, the fleece they put out and one thing or another there. I think mean, just good old hard uh, praying and uh, fasting and, and waiting on the Lord is a lot better than a fleece, uh, no matter what, you, what they might say. So we could lose such blessings as, as a day, uh, in a day, uh, overnight, or our entire world can be turned upside down if we get ahead of God. Because God has to get our attention, not a slap on the wrist. Sometimes he says, you know, you need a shocker. And he'll bring shockers into our lives. So the point is this, that God takes presumptions very seriously when we are the ones doing the presumption. And especially uh, when we get too big for our britches along the way and say, well, I've, I've done this, I've gone through this, I can handle this, I don't need to, yeah, guess what? Everything we do ought to be made before the Lord in prayer. And so what is the solution? Well, Isaiah 40 and verse 31 is one of the solutions here. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And so he will encourage us along the way. When we're, when we're making decisions, making choices, or he will discourage us. But in that process of waiting upon the Lord, we have to have our heart tuned to him. And not so bent on, this is what we're going to do, and we want God to shut doors. Now, God will give to us warning flags ahead of time, one way or another, I believe. And if we persist, then yeah, he will put up certain things, obstacles along the way there. And if we still persist to go along, then God will have to do what God has to do. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So we can have a good, strong walk in relationship with the Lord, a, a strong work in relationship with the Lord, but we can't get ahead of him. We have to be patient. We have to wait upon the Lord. Patience and prayer and allowing God to lead because regardless of how noble or seemingly right something may be or seem to you and I, if God is not leading, the outcome will be less desirable than we had anticipated. And then one more as we close for the evening here. Bad things in the lives of good people produce great results. Psalm 60 and verse 3. Thou hast showed thy people hard things. Thou hast made us to drink the wine of astonishment. In other words, simply put, God has to teach us, and some of us learn harder than others. <laughs> some are pretty smart. Some of us, we need a two-by-four upside the head to move us along. But have you ever been caught off guard? Well, this is where we find David. He's been caught off guard. I'm doing for God. God promised Abraham, I'm going to make it happen. Well, if God wills, you'll make it happen. And you better make sure what God's will is. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. At least not the way you thought it was going to happen. And so he expresses that he was stunned and he was shocked when God turned against him. Whoa. Now, one may ask, why? Why did God turn against David? Well, up to this point, great victories were being won. Israel is spending, or I should say, is spreading its borders, taking the land that God had initially promised Abraham that the Jews would inherit. He had been performing God's will up to this particular point in time. And so David went to war as, as, as God had led him to do so earlier. It's a given. God's going to be with me now. I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. Now, Remember, David did something else very presumptuously. Let me remember what he did that cost Israel greatly. 
He went out, he took a census. And God sent messengers to warn him not to do this. But David was determined, I'm the king and I can't. Well, you know what? When you presume that you're the king, that you can countermand what God has said, you're going to pay a great price for it. And so, up to this particular point in time, David had been very successful because God had led him into these battles. God had given him the victory in these particular battles. Now, David's prior successes led him to believe that he was able to make decisions independent of God. And maybe we can assume that I've been saved long enough. I really don't need to pray about this. I can, I can do this independent of God. And failing to seek God's will, to seek God's face before going to battle, we see that David is facing the real possibility of ruin and disaster, not just for himself, but for his army and for his, his, his country, Israel. You know, God is always capable of turning something evil. And those times that we get ahead of him into something good if pride doesn't get in the way. And sometimes pride takes over and says, I don't want anybody to know that God is not in this because I didn't seek God's direction. I didn't seek God's will. Remember Joseph's statement in uh, Genesis chapter 50 and verses 19 to 20. Let's, let's look there as we get ready to close here. And I think we're all familiar with that. But uh, it says in verse 19, and... Uh, Jacob has died. His brothers are facing in their mind the real possibility that now their son Joseph is going to get even with them for what they did to him, ruining 20 some odd years of his life. And so they besought him, seeking mercy. And, he, and this is Joseph's response. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it what? Under good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, that doesn't mean that we can go out there and do evil or do that which is wrong in order for God to be able to... Listen, it's just the fact is that if we reach that place in our lives where we realize we're operating independent of God, even if it's just for a particular issue or for a set of circumstances, we're acting independent of God because maybe we don't... We don't we're concerned about how God might answer and it may not be the answer we want to hear. But nonetheless, we make these decisions. We make them independent of God along the way there. And, uh, uh, and pride takes over. Then whatever it is that God, however God can flip that to, be, to, to turn out good, it's not going to turn out so good after all. And so David saw his pridefulness from God's perspective. He saw the circumstances. He saw the situation from God's perspective. And he realized that, I didn't really be this in prayer. I struck out on my own. I made this choice. I made the decision independent of God. And now I'm on, the, I'm on that branch. I'm on the outside that branch there. And David humbled himself. When we get ahead of God, we have to be able to humble ourselves and say, Lord, please forgive me for getting ahead of you. Please forgive me for doing in the flesh what I should have been done, doing in the spirit. So bad things in the lives of bad people usually produce bad things such as hatred, arrogance, destruction, and wounded pride. On the other hand, bad things in the lives of good people will many times produce godly, uh, godly changes such as humility. It did. It brought David to a place of humility. He humbled himself and realized and remembered that, listen, all those other battles I fought, God's the one who gave me the victory. 
He was seeking either fame or glory or victory on his terms. But for David, there was humility. Brokenness with a greater appreciation of dependence on God. And sometimes God has to kind of put us down a little bit because we're getting a little bit too big for our britches. And we're not depending on him as much as we ought to be uh, depending on him. So, and invaluable lessons are life-changing lessons for us. This was one of those for David. He humbled himself. He sought forgiveness of the Lord. And God turned it into good. All right, so that does it for this week. And the Lord willing, we got a couple more for next week out of Psalm 16.